Today the message is um, the true vine. If you're here last Sunday, we did a message uh, called Dwell, and uh, I did some teaching on the tabernacle in the Old Testament, which highlighted the different layers of the spiritual realm in that Old Testament example we gave his insight to the New Testament around dwelling in the presence of God and going beyond uh, just sharing the presence of God, but really diving into the presence of God and how there's so much more. Everyone say more. And so uh, I have to apologize in advance last Sunday. I think I advertised that my beautiful wife Sarah is speaking this Sunday, and I got that wrong. She's speaking next Sunday because uh, she was worship leading this Sunday. So uh, you've got me again. Hope that's okay. <laughs> And yeah. so uh, the true vine, um, when we look at this scripture in John that we're going to dissect in a moment, no, a word that's really dominant just, in this part of scripture that's talking about Jesus' teaching yeah. um, around to how to really position yourself with your relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, uh, being intertwined in the with who God is, being connected at a level oh, so where God is abiding in you and you're abiding in Him. And the word abide is quite dominant. We're going to look at that in a moment in the scripture that we're going to study. But I wanted to start with defining this word abide. Because I think sometimes, I know for me personally, when I naturally think of the word abide, there's a relationship between the word abide and also the word dwell that we spent a lot of time focusing on last Sunday. And last Sunday I was talking about that dwell means to really sit in, to kind of dwell, to, to commit. Um, and so we were talking about the analogy of really sitting in and to commit to the presence of God, not just to kind of wet your toe or to shower, but really understand there's more, there's deeper layers and levels of relationship with God and in the secret place of the Spirit of God, understanding that you can go to places in the Spirit where the enemy can't pursue you and where God will really strengthen you and protect you. And from that place, you can come out of that place with greater confidence in who you are and your identity. And I felt like in my private study, I'm really going to share with you one of my recent private studies of the Word uh, with Holy Spirit, because it really blessed me, and so it's coming from this teaching around John today. But defining the word abide, when I thought of the word abide, naturally before really looking at it, I kind of just thought, well, abide means to live in, right? To live, to abide in God, for God to abide in us. And it does mean live in. But interestingly, uh, <clears throat> it means some more things. It means this, to bear patiently. Um, to tolerate for a long period of time. Isn't it funny to think that, you know, the Word of God is saying it's important for you to tolerate God long enough that you're fruitful and for Him to tolerate you long enough that you're fruitful, right? To abide, meaning there needs to be a sense of patience, a sense of understanding that God isn't like a two-minute magic noodles. There is a process usually. There is a lingering when the Scripture says, you know, to come and wait on the Lord. To come and wait on me, and then I will renew your strength. I will, uh, you know, rise up, help you rise up with new wings like an eagle. And so to bear patiently, um, to endure without yielding, to abide, to endure without yielding, withstanding. So being able to stay in position, being able to, to be able to build some level of consistency or commitment, to be able to keep going back to God, to abide in God's Word, to abide in His Spirit, for Him to be able to abide in you, there needs to be a sense of building a, a steadfastness in how you relate with God. So it can't be just a little bit here 
and just a little bit there. But God's inviting us to a place where we're doing it many, many times. We're continuing to position ourselves to chase after him, to abide. It also means to wait for, to wait for. I was watching um, a teaching video just the other week, and it was encouraging people to understand, you know, when was the last time when you went to God, whether you're praying or spending some quality time with him and his word, where you actually gave yourself permission to wait on the Lord, to actually wait until he responded, to wait until he moved, to wait until he really showed up. I don't know about you, but I know there's been times when I've gone to spend time with God and I'm really wanting to connect to the Father's heart. And in those moments, I'm kind of like, like that shower. Okay, yep. Cool. Okay, yep. I'm kind of feeling you, God. And then there's sometimes there's moments where I think, okay, let me just check my emails. Let me go and make a coffee. I don't know about you, but there's been other times when in that moment I've, I've, I've actually chosen to abide. I've chosen, no, 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 let me not rush this. Let me not get distracted. Let me not get impatient. Let me wait. Let me wait on the Lord. Let me wait on God. God, I want more of you. God, talk to me. Let me know that you're right here with me. Because you've been willing just to sow the seed of just waiting. And God's presence, the revelation of Him, the reality of Him, the breath of Him, the warmth of Him, His heart towards you. And then He reveals that He's there. And it's like it just shifts that, that moment to another place, another level of quality. Another level of, you know what? God wants to talk to me. God wants to spend, God, there you are. Ah, thank you, Lord. Have you ever driven into a petrol station and you've got to put the fuel hose in the car and you've been impatient like me because maybe you're running late, right? You forgot that the car was low on fuel. And so you put the thing in and you kind of, press the thing, but it's not kind of coming. It's like, and then you look over with a stern face to the person at the petrol station who's supposed to push that button thinking, buddy, buddy, can you not see me? Buddy, you're on a holiday, buddy. Right? And you're thinking, I don't know about you, in that moment I'm thinking, don't be too rude with your face because he might, or she might just be sitting there going, no, I'm not going to push that button. Just back it up. Just back it up, Bronco. Right? So I'm kind of like, hmm. <laughs> But, and I think sometimes it's like that, you know, when we go to spend time with the Lord, He's encouraging us, particularly in this word today, to abide, to wait. You know, we just, where's the fuel? Where's the spirit? Where's the, where's the revelation? Where's that touch? Where's the goosebumps? Where's that moment? Where's that, you know, thing? And, uh, and sometimes, I don't know if you've done this, but sometimes I have gotten impatient at a petrol station to the point where I was like, stuff it. I've just put the thing back. I've gone back in my car, right? No feels come out. 
and I'm just going, right, I'll just hope that I can get to the destination, I'll get back to the right now. And I think spiritually, we can miss out on key elements of fuel that God wants to impart because we're just impatient for it. it's just not coming quick enough. And so this is where God's teaching us the word abide means to wait. It also means to accept without objection. Isn't that interesting? To accept without objection, without objecting, without pushing back. It also means to remain stable or fixed in a state. It means to continue in a place. To, to continue in a place. It also means to conform. Now, I love the thing about, you know, when you're looking at words, the word abide. Synonyms, so similar words. Again, last Sunday the message was called dwell. The word dwell is a synonym to the word abide. <clears throat> hang around. To hang around Jesus. And for Jesus to hang around you. How cool is that? Right? Who knows that who you hang around is who you become? Yes. We know that principle, that who you hang around is who you become. Right? A good sign of your destiny is, you know, the friends that you're spending a lot of time with. <coughs> and so who knows that Jesus is our friend? And so he wants us to hang around him. And he wants himself to hang around us. He wants there to be an abiding thing. Uh, to remain, to stay, to stick around. Now, the antonyms, the opposite to abide, is to bail, to bail out. This is funny, to bug out. I've never heard of that. I've heard to bug, but not to bug out. Interesting. Thank you, dictionary. <laughs> to buzz off, to clear off, to clear out, to cut out, to depart, to exit, to get off, to go, to go off, to leave, to move, to pack up or pack off, to peel off, to pipe out, to pack, pipe off, to pull out, to push off, to push on, to quit, to shove, to take off, to vamoose. <laughs> Sounds like a Spanish word. Actually, vamoose. I know Rafael Nadal when he plays. Vamoose means come on. Right? But vamoose, I've never heard that in English. To walk out. To walk away. And so this word abide is a key word in this scripture that we're going to look at right now. And so let's go there. And John, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to John 15, 1 to 17. Um, team, I don't know if you got the note, but I said that for whatever reason the scripture couldn't fall into the slides. So if we can bring up the scriptures, that'd be great uh, on the slides if we can bring that up. John 15, 1 to 17. And so it is 1 to 17. We're actually going to really get into the word today. Is that all right? Yes. So we're not going to give you one or two little scriptures and, and you know, prick our ears, but we want to we want to swim. We want to go deeper today. Is that okay? And this, is, this, this part of scripture actually is called the true vine. And <clears throat> I love it. I love it because it kind of aligns to my personality a little bit in that I am naturally repetitive. Okay, I repeat myself quite a lot, naturally. <laughs> it drives Sarah nuts sometimes. Uh, and this scripture here is, I think, trying to get our attention because it repeats, Jesus is repeating himself. You know, I find when Jesus repeats himself, he's trying to make a point. Who here has also found that? And so he repeats himself quite a lot. And says here, the true vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So he's first talking about, in that very first verse, 
about who he is as the Son of God and who his Father is, the identity of his Father. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Every branch, or as the Kiwis would say, branch. Every branch. I love Kiwis. You know, I've noticed a couple of Kiwis in our house. They They call our daughter Savannah, Savannah. And I always thought they were mispronouncing it. It's like, like it's Savannah, like, you know, but they, they call her Savannah. And when I go to New Zealand, and I always tell my Kiwi clients over in New Zealand, I say, yeah, it's daughter Zara and then Savannah. And they always say, oh, Zara and, Sa- and Savannah. I say, Zara and Savannah. And they say, oh, Zara and Savannah. Like, what is it with Kiwis? They have that different sound, right? God bless Kiwis. He loves Kiwis. So if you want to call my daughter Savannah, that's totally okay by me. Because I love the Kiwi accent. I also learned early on when we started church, because we had a lot of Kiwis when we started as well, whenever they talk about the word woman, right? So you've got one woman, as in W-O-M-A-N. This is totally not part of the message, but I just got to share it. You've got one woman, W-O-M-A-N, and you've got two women, W-O-N-E-N. But I noticed that Kiwis, the same word, is what they say. They say one woman and two women. <laughs> so when we, used, when we used to have our key, our, anyone, our, anyone here I'm seeing who was with Kiwi, and we're promoting our women's event, which we would say W-O-M-E-N apostrophe S, women's, they would go woman's event. And I'm like, well, there's only one woman going to go to the event. It's a woman's event. That's the women's event. And I always thought they were just mispronouncing it, but it's what Kiwis say. Isn't it good when you finally get an understanding of something you have a comment? Sandy's probably sitting there going, I wonder why when I announced the women's event, Pastor Bob would always have a bit of a frown. (laughs) So, the true vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And so I love this. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Notice that the branch that doesn't bear fruit, it's not that he's just pruning that. He's even, he takes that away, but he prunes the branch that does bear fruit so it will bear more fruit. Which means that, you know, when God's working on your life and sometimes it's hard and things are maybe being cut off or things are being kind of dealt with, who knows that sometimes we think that that's, oh, the enemy must be attacking me, or, you know, life isn't going very well, very well and it's hard and it's difficult. But who knows that we've got to understand that when we put the ultimate trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in the Father, understanding that his process is sometimes about refining us, that we can actually look at our situations and our circumstances with that focus of faith. Who believes that? And then the next verse, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And so what I love about that, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean, which means that you are perfect in God's eyes because you've accepted the word. You're part of who Jesus is. And yes, the world may not define you as perfect and you may be a work in progress, but you are a perfect work in God, meaning that you're a work in progress. He is perfecting you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, 
neither can you unless you abide in me. I love this particular verse. It talks about the importance of that real connection and it talks about purpose behind it. Abide in me and I in you as the branch can not bear fruit of itself. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am a branch. I am a branch. A branch. A branch. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. I shared last week vulnerably how, you know, there's been seasons, and recently last season I've just come through, where, you know, it's hard when you go into striving mode and you're not having fresh, deep connection with God and you're trying to make something happen and you're just trying to do it maybe in your own strength. But here it's saying that we've got to have an understanding of our identity and how we relate to God. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So unless it's really positioned permanently with God, then you bear fruit. When there's a long-term kind of waiting, when there's a focus, when there's a steadfastness, when there's a perseverance in how you keep going back to God and positioning yourself with God and yielding to God, then fruitfulness will come. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Goes on and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you think he said that before? Just think about it. I mean, if I was the disciples listening to Jesus kind of bring this teaching, I would be like, Dude, it kind of keeps saying the same thing. And maybe he's saying it over and over again because maybe he knows that partly there could be an opportunity where we hear this but we don't get it. Why would that be the case? Why would we hear this but not get it? Maybe it's because we could hear this and just go, oh yeah, I get that. You're supposed to be connected to God if you want to be free from, oh yeah, I get that. And you can just mentally just kind of tick the box and go, yeah, I get this, that, that makes sense. But I think he started right at the beginning talking about identity. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And then he talks about the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I believe what God's saying here, as he's continuing repeating himself, in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. I believe what he's saying is he's saying, have you, in a new way, in a fresh way, really analyzed where you're at in terms of how you relate to the Father, how you relate to the Son, how you relate to the Spirit. Is there an intention in you? Is there a, a focus in you? Is there a level of deliberateness within you to really pursue your relationship with God? See, last week we were talking about going deeper into the secret place. And one of the things we talked about in the study of the tabernacle is we talked about that, and I use the generalization word, I use the word a lot. I said a lot of Christians get to a place where they come to church, just like today, Jemima, and they do a bit of prayer, 
and they do a bit of worship and they study a bit of word, that it kind of just stays at that level. So what are we saying here? We're saying here that Jesus is saying, don't be surprised if your world isn't too fruitful. If the main focus of your relationship with God is more in token of just you come to church, you hear the word, you have a bit of worship time, and that's it. What Jesus is actually saying is, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. See, I think a lot of Christians are surprised. And that surprise actually turns into disappointment. I think a lot of Christians are surprised. Oh, but I go to church. And I listen to the sermon. And I sometimes go to the prayer meeting. And I write down the scriptures. And I turn on my worship music every now and then. And I read my Bible every now and then. But God's saying, there's way more to it than that. And that's why I think he repeats this over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Because I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to grab the attention of people's hearts. And he's trying to say this. There is so much fruitfulness. There is so much life that I have to intertwine into you that will bring forth new fruit that will glorify God. See, watch this. God's not just trying to get your attention because he knows it'll make you. You can get order. See, when I'm praying right now for my life, for my family, for our church family, I keep getting the word order. It just keeps coming to me. Brad, set new order, create new order, bring in godly order, order, bring in order. This whole scripture about the vine is all about order. It's about relational order. It's about prioritization of order. What I feel like God's saying is he's trying to capture your attention because it's not just about you having a fruitful life-filled life. But there's actually something specific in it for God as well. Watch this. When you're fruitful, because you're intertwined with the vine, because there's a revelation within you that your identity is about permanently connecting with God, not just a little bit here, or a little bit there, or a moment here, or a moment there, but there's there's a place for you to be intertwined with God that that actually will make you fruitful. But that fruitfulness is not just for you. And he's a loving father. He wants you to be fruitful, but it's not just for you. It's also for his glory. See, when his kids are fruitful, 
watch this now. I want you to catch this. Because I feel like this is coming right out of the heart of God. And that's this. When God's kids are fruitful, it gives him glory because it's evidence that his family is in order. You think about your own family when you're leading your own family. Doesn't it bring you glory when there's order? And things start to get out of order. Who knows that it's frustrating? Who knows that it's tiring? Right? Who knows that it's annoying? Right? And there's no condemnation in Christ. There's been times when we've had disorder as well. I don't think any human is exempt from disorder in their family. Okay? So there's no condemnation in Christ. Even if you're right in the middle of disorder, this message isn't to condemn you, it's to encourage you that the God who has all the answers, that his heart is to see order in families, restoration, healing, forgiveness, unity, relational harmony, love, a flow. Everyone say flow. So I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. That God loves you, who are his children, but he's drawing you, he's getting your attention, intentionally getting your attention to say, if we can get in order, if, I, if you can allow me to abide in you, and if you can allow yourself to abide in me, if there can be a permanency of us waiting together, building relationships together, connect, if, we, if you could put a priority on that, so it's not just a token little thing where we tick the box, but if you today can really get how critical it is, watch and wait and see, will happen because order will come. Fruitfulness will come. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring up again hunger this morning in terms of your heart of why you're wanting us to go into deeper places of relationship, deeper places of spending time with you, spending time in your word, growing in you, connecting with you, being intertwined with you and the Father. So it goes on in verse 8, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, this is the interesting part, this is talking about the eternity part, right? Who knows that sometimes we get sidetracked Coming out, who knows sometimes we <clears throat> we can have moments when we're not abiding, right? We're not connected. And so that's why we've got to have a repentant heart where we keep going back to God when we get sidetracked, right? There's sometimes where maybe our our branch wants to kind of turn away from the vine, right? <laughs> okay. And so it's important that we keep turning back to God in those moments and learning a repentant lifestyle. And then it talks about longer term here. It goes on and says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, 
and they, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Everyone say, ouch. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone turn to the person and say, that was the serious, serious part. So what I love here is Jesus does not pull any punches. He doesn't hold anything back here. He's really being upfront and honest with us. And he's saying that not your connection to him and the Father through him, it's not just about the short-term fruitfulness of life on earth. It is about that, but it's also about eternity. So he doesn't pull any punches here. And this is why we want to have a, always have a heart as we're, as, as we're investing in a spiritual family. You know, God's, this is God's family, right? He's building family here. And over time, there will, other people will come and God has it, you know, for them to become part of this family where they may not have known him. So we always have to have a heart to understand that we want to keep bringing new branches into the vine. Because ultimately when they're connected to Jesus, then they don't end up being burnt, okay? All right, long term, in terms of not becoming part of the good stuff of eternity. Then it goes on in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. I like verse 7 here, because now he gets a bit more specific. Everyone say specific. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. My words my teaching, scripture, lives in you, has a permanency in you, waits within you, is cultivated within you, starts to take root in you. My word. Who knows that the Bible teaches that Jesus is actually the manifestation of the word of God, that Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. I know that seems a little bit hard to get your human head around, right? But the reality is, is that Jesus and how he walked and how he lived was an expression of the word. And it says here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, watch this now. You desire. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Everyone say benefit. We've talked, I think Thomas and Sandy had fantastic feedback a couple of weeks ago. They spoke a message together called Speak Life. Let's give these these guys some honor. Powerful, fiery. And there was music with day spring afterwards and the spirit moved. I was in New Zealand and I missed out. And it was amazing. And so speaking life is an example of, you know, we, we've done a lot of teaching on what you speak, we have the creative ability within us, like God, that when we speak things, we can establish things, we can declare things, we can decree things. We know that the Bible encourages us to take the Word of God and to speak it over our life, to declare it over our life, to declare the promises of God and just speak them out. Because spiritually it helps to establish the word of God, to establish the promises of God. There is power in words. We know so much that there's a dual thing to it. You can also speak curses. You can speak 
negativity out. And we know that there's all those experiments where you have plants in test tubes and someone's sitting there for 24 hours speaking words of life and the other person in the other test tube is speaking words of well, the person isn't in the test tube, but over the test tube. And within 24 hours, the, 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 the words of life, the plant is thriving, right? Uh, the words of death, the plant is shriveled, right? We know that Jesus taught the disciples. He cursed the fig tree. And then he said there is power and life, sorry, life and death in the power of the tongue. So he was teaching the disciples. He wasn't just, you know, didn't feel like figs one day and thought, no, I'm going to make you shrivel. But he was using that as an example to say, hey, guys, watch the reality of that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And so when it says here, if you abide in me, if you stay connected, if you wait on me, if you're willing to want to spend time with me, to build quality relationship with me, not just to sprinkle under the shower, not just to read your word every now and then to tick the Christian box, not just to attend church and listen to the sermon. That's the only time you really relate with the word of God. Come on now. Not just to pray when you're in need and now it becomes like a little shopping list. So God, please, and it's showered with the attitude of desperation. Not that if you're desperate, you shouldn't pray. You should pray. But that should not be the only motivation to pray. Even when things are going well, you want to keep your prayer life going. You want to build that spiritual muscle of praying, praying for your nation, praying for your community, praying for your church, praying for living, praying for your family, praying for your children, praying for the word of God, praying for the promises of God to manifest, praying for doors to open, praying for God to move, praying for healing. You want to keep that going. So if you abide in me, if you stay connected with me, if you stay in a relationship with me, if you make it a priority to spend quality time with me, and there's a flow of me in you, there's a permanency of me in you, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, if you get the word of God into you, you learn it, you chew on it, you teach it inside of your heart, you meditate on it, you will ask what you desire. Watch this. When you spend time with God, who knows that your desires start to become aligned nicely to his desires for you. Just think about it, right? And then, so you start to, you want to see this thing. You want to see that thing. You want to see this happen in your world. You want to see it happen in this person's life. You want to see people get saved. You want to press into God. You want to grow in the Word of God. You want to help other people. You want to encourage people in the things of God. You want to see doors of opportunity open the marketplace because you have a sense of what God's doing in your life. You want to see your community impacted. You want to see people activated in the things of God. Your desire. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. Let's say fruit. 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 Fruit, 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 fruit. What is fruit? It is things are established. Things grow. Things are sweet, Dan. It's just sweet, dude. Bro. It's sweet, Right? 
But what I love about fruit is there's seed in fruit to even reproduce more fruit. Come on. There's a momentum. There's a sense of there's something here that's growing and building. I even was, you know, in a way declaring that the Lord is building a river here. He's building a river of the anointing. He's building a river of freedom and grace and healing and power. And he's building a desire within this family for our minds to become more renewed. And how do we renew this? For the word of God to abide in us. For it to transform our thinking. By this, my Father, let's look at verse 8 now. By this, my Father is glorified. (laughs) God is glorified when he is abiding in you and his word is abiding in you. Sorry, you are abiding in him and his word is abiding in you. And the desires in your heart, you ask for those things and then he makes them happen for you. That's called fruitfulness. God is glorified when that happens. So why is that important? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. God wants your life to be fruitful. And so God's saying, where are you at? You know, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis, God said, where are you? Hey, Adam, me, guys, guys. Adam. Adam. Eve. Eve. In the thought. Adam. Eve. Guys, pray. Adam. Adam. Eve. And where were they? They were hiding. Who were they hiding from? Why were they hiding from God? Because why? They were hiding from God because they had just eaten what? Fruit. But it wasn't the godly fruit, was it? No, it was the other type of fruit. That fruit that separates us from God. That would cause us to run away from God after we take a bite. Everyone say, but. Right. Last week, you don't have to repeat that, but thank you for your commitment. Who's that, brother? Actually, you can just repeat rest of the whole sermon. <laughs> Excuse me. But we learned last week that when Jesus died at the cross of Calvary, that the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies, 
Catch this now. The Holy of Holies is the place, it's the very sap of the vine. It's the absolute reward of saying, I want you to go by to me and I invite a new nephew. You can drink from that place of pure power, pure confidence. I have that place for you. So the very thing that separated that veil because of humanity's sin, it was torn until it was destroyed. So that, I want to say so that. So that we could access freely, not because of our own works, but because of what Christ did, the works of God. We could access the place that could enable us to bear fruit. So watch this. God wants to be glorified by enabling you to be fruitful. It's okay. Okay, I won't point you out, I'll embarrass you. This is Kay, by the way, it's mum. That's mum, we love you, Kay. No, I'll just, I'll just focus on Tina, my So God wants to make you fruitful because it glorifies him. But the very thing that will cause you to not be fruitful is the other fruit that when you choose, in the Old Testament it was, when you chose that, it would separate you from God. But the reality is, when you build a repentant life and you keep coming back to Jesus, his blood washes over you so that your mistake of biting the bad fruit can't prevent you from entering into the place that can help you to build the good fruit. But watch this. We might go and nibble on the bad fruit because we thought it would be really tasty and it was for a moment. It's called sin. And then as a Christian we turn, repent. We go back into the presence of God. We know the blood of God has washed us. But do we go? Have we built an altar? in the secret place. See, watch this. Oh, I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. Because this will bless you. When we go over here, nibble, nibble, oops. Okay, well, I'm sorry. we just we only stay in this place last week I was talking about this was called the inner sanctuary where we pray a little bit we read a bit of God's word get showered on a little bit in this part of your relationship with God it's not abiding it's not hanging out it's not building a relationship. It's just kind of token moments of convincing yourself that you are still a Christian. Because 
maybe you feel bad because you went over there and watched this. Because you, for somehow in your identity, you're just lingering around in this religious token expression of Christianity. But if you don't allow yourself to understand that the blood of Jesus has given you a ticket, an entry, a key into a much deeper place called the vine. Being intertwined with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, where the enemy can't pursue you. It's in this place. It's in this place. It's here where you will get a taste for the good fruit that God wants to birth within you. Watch this. When you start to get a taste, and I say a dominant taste, like you start to go, hmm, this is good. Tomorrow I want to come back. The next day I want to come back. I want to build a lifestyle in here, in his word, in his presence. Oh, God, you're good. There's a reality of God. I'm telling I want you to look at my eyeballs right now. And I'm telling you, there is a place where God wants to abide in you and you abide in you. When you taste this, I'm telling you, the taste of that becomes so much less attractive that because the grace of God has enabled you to enter in, you start to build a strength where more and more and more you have an ability to say no to that desire of the flesh because the desire of the spirit is so much stronger. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some of you are here today. For whatever reason, this pulpit that represents religion that represents a form of expression of God's word, prayer, the church. See, if you only learn to abide here, what Jesus is trying to say is that this represents the wilderness, spiritual wilderness. You will feel like you just keep going around and around because whatever you're desiring here, and I, I want to say this to you, this is not just the stereotypical people. For example, some of you might be sitting here right here and you're still battling addiction. But I want to say to you, it doesn't, I'm not just talking to you. I am talking to you. But I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to 
maybe some people here today and you know you can't wait to get home on a Friday. To open up. Maybe those two or three bottles of wine. And really get stuck into it. Maybe I'm talking to some people and this place represents more just the just the keeping on, keeping on, the keeping on, the keeping on what you're gonna do. See I heard a a sermon recently we're saying we want the change. Don't we? We want the change. But are we willing to put the work in? See, this, you want to work this into your world. Right? But you know what I love about it? It's not dry <coughs> when you're hanging out in the spirit. And so I believe that the spirit of God is saying to us this morning, where are you at? Where are you at? Let's just put up the next uh, little slides here. We've got those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh. Team visual, can someone wave back at me? Cool, there you are. I want to share a couple of key points here, and then we're going to close. <clears throat> when we look at this scripture, the first thing in verse 1, Jesus is the true vine. And it's talking about if we stay connected to him, we naturally bear fruit. Everyone say source. So know that the source has got to be constant. Number two. Is care. It talks again in verse 1 that our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. I'm going to ask um, just Sam to come. That the, our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser and He owns us and cares for us. And so when we think about the Heavenly Father as the vine dresser, I want you to understand that sometimes the pruning, sometimes when we're coming into the, the things of God and the pruning or the work that He's doing us, He's doing that because He cares. Number three is the pruning. In verse two, God removes anything that hinders our usefulness. He trims our weaknesses. And so again, when we abide in the spirit, when we abide in the word, we know that the vine is the source. It's the life. There's also care. There's the father's heart. Even when he's refining us and he's clipping things off. And then there's a pruning that takes place but I mean, I'll just be up front and tell you, when I don't spend time with the Lord, I'm impatient. And impatience is probably my biggest weakness. Praise Jesus. But when I spend time with the Lord, I 
can be way more patient. And then, all the people that I'm called to influence, lead, love, those ones who are not as high energy or as high pace as me don't get burnt. Because there's oil on my personality. You hearing what I'm saying? So I just be vulnerable in front of you and say, this is relevant to everyone. It doesn't matter how repaired you think your life looks or not yet repaired. Because some people might look at my life and go, wow, there's lots of things that have been repaired. There's some great things in his life. I must feel like he's in a good place. Well, to be honest with you, I am a work in progress. Praise God. Partnerships, verse 4. Our job isn't to artificially push fruit out, but to stay connected to the vine. See, when you partner with God, when again you build, this is what the Lord's saying, come, come spend time, come, come spend time. What's so... What's so important that you wouldn't want to spend time? Do you not know if you spend time, if you build me in you, and you build you in me, fruitfulness will come as partner together. Don't try to manufacture the fruit yourself. Oh my goodness, am I preaching to myself right now? I can tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, what it feels like to try to manufacture fruit. <laughs> I was going to use a really gross analogy, but I'm not going to. That's not quite good. Number five, promise. Verse seven. <clears throat> if we let his word abide in us, his promises, he promises he will do what we ask. You know, that he, we ask for the desires of our heart, he will establish them. So again, when we build this connection with God, the promises of God get established. Verse number six, purpose. And in verse eight, God created us to glorify him by bearing much fruit. So there's purpose behind this. It's not just about us being fruitful, but God is glorified because there's order in his household. There's things being established. There's momentum. As we abide in him and he abides us, as his word lives within us, as we spend quality time, as we make it intentional. Again, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I've had to deal with some lies in my life. I've had to deal with a lie that was trying to convince me that I'd be more fruitful if I just focus on my to-do list. The first thing I shared this last Sunday that I'd get up and I'd rather think about God or just spending some quality time with God, rather building that in as an essential habit to my life, to connect to my life source for my day to be fruitful. I'd connect with my to-do list. Let's open up the phone and look at the to-do list, edit the to-do list, and I thought my to-do list was the key for my efficiency, my fruitfulness, my productivity, my mentor. I mean, it's an organizational principle. 
that it should never be the priority over quality time with the Lord. So God wants to be glorified by you bearing fruit. And we're not just talking about getting a project done or getting this done. That's all great. But also it's the fruit within you, the patience, the kindness, the long-suffering, the self-control. He wants to build fruit within you so that when you go on your way doing a project, building a life, doing what you're called to do, You're also able to love people, be kind to people, stay loyal, be a witness to people. The last one is obedience in verse 10. We didn't get to that part of the scripture, but Jesus gives only one condition to all this. We must obey God. We are to remain in him, receive from him, and reproduce for him. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for this season. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're establishing, Father, momentum in this season in people's lives. I thank you, Father, you're establishing hunger and desire, Lord, to grow in the things of God. But, Lord, Lord, not just to, to come to church, not just to go to a prayer meeting, not just to listen to some worship and be showered maybe once a week and, and tick the Christian box. But Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring within us, Lord, a desire to cultivate, to build relationship with you, Jesus, to build relationship with you, Holy Spirit, to build relationship with you, Father God. Lord, that you are the true vine and we are the branches. And Lord, as we abide in you and you abide us, as we're intertwined, as we're building quality time, as we're, Lord, we're building a permanency, we're building a position in the secret place, in a place, Lord, where the enemy can't pursue us, Lord, where there's quality, quality, quality in our relationship with you, Father. Lord, that from that, Lord, fruitfulness will come. Lord, I break off disappointment. Lord, I break off, Lord, deferred hope. Lord, I break off, Lord, a sense of that I'll always be stuck. Father, I thank you, Lord, I break off religiosity. And I pray, Father, Lord, for a coming forth of fruit. Establish us as branches of the vine. Thank you, God. Lord, let this be a season of fruitfulness. I declare, I decree, I prophesy fruit. I prophesy fruit. I prophesy fruit in our lives. I prophesy spiritual fruit. Lord, let it come forth. I pray, Lord, for the sap. Lord, for the nutrients of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in the river of God to flow, to flow through the vine. Lord, as we connect with you, Lord, as we reach into your word, Lord, as we spend time with Holy Spirit, let the sap of God, let the nutrients of God, let the power of God, let the anointing that breaks the yoke, let the work of God flow, flow, flow. Lord, let there be a flow in this family. Let there be a flow of your spirit. Let there be a flow of your love. Let there be a flow, Lord, establish joy, restore joy in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, we're going to see fruit, we're going to see families strengthened. Lord, we pray for families right now. Oh, there's such a, there's such a thing of God right now about families. Lord, we're a family of families. But Father, we pray for every family represented here. We pray for marriages. We pray for the children. We pray for household. Lord, we pray unity and strength and love and joy. Lord, peace, patience, kindness, mercy, grace. Lord, fill our households. 
Lord, let our parents and our children worship together. Lord, we want to build altars in our home. Lord, we want to spend time where we're showing our children we make a priority for you, God. We talk about you, God. We read the word of God together. We put the worship music on together as we have breakfast. We pray for one another. Lord, start to build a river in our homes. Build a river, a new river in our homes, oh God. Lord, we cry out to you, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, Lord, to fill our homes with your presence. Fill our homes with your spirit. Fill our homes, Lord, with your beautiful, beautiful anointing. Jesus. Lord, we pray for our children. Lord, nurture them. Grow them. Establish them. Build confidence within them. I thank you, Lord, as we spend time with you, Lord, that we will, as we spend time with other people in our church. Lord, this Connect Night that you're going to launch in October, Father, I pray, Lord, that your word would be released, that your presence would be released, that your spirit would be released, and Lord, as it releases into us, Lord, as it touches people, Lord, Lord, as those people spend time with other people, Lord, the spirit would transfer, Lord, that be a flow, Lord, that be an encouragement, a spirit of encouragement that would go from one believer to another believer. And when one feels down and desperate, the other person will speak life because they're connected to the vine. Lord, we thank you, Father. Let there be a, a manifestation of the reality of the true vine in this season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And everyone said, let's give him some praise. Excellent. Who found that helpful? And uh, for me, you know, it was exactly the word in the season as as always seems to come from this pulpit. And um, we're just going to finish up with a couple of announcements. But I feel to say this that with the example Brad used of this side of the stage and, and this side of the stage, you know, you can actually have a functional Christian life over here. It's functional. And you might even get a grape or two. But over here, over here, this is where the fruit is. And as someone like, you know, recently I've broken through some of these obstacles. And, you know, I can tell now there's stuff budding in my life that for years I've worked hard to try and make happen. But it just happens. When you build these altars, when you build this into your life, it just happens. I love that word. So thank you again, Pastor Brad.